big show today, big name guest. We have Gene Stallings coming on. He's going to be coming on to talk about uh, everything from the Junction Boys to Bear Bryant to his son, John Mark. And we even dive into NIL and get his thoughts on that. Uh, we could not be more honored to have Coach Stallings joining us. He's going to be calling in. You don't want to miss it. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I've got a great episode today. Um, man, I've had some incredible guests since we've got started with this podcast. I think today I am more excited about this guest than all the others, and that's not to say that some of the other ones weren't awesome and great. Um, but we have, uh, in true form and fashion with 1819 News, a podcast where we've really been diving in, uh, is the the problem that we have in, in, in our society with uh, lack of masculinity. And so we are uh, blessed to have Coach Gene Stallings joining us today uh, to talk about that and some other things. Uh, and so we're going to welcome in him in now. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. That's an, it's a joy to be on your program. Awesome. So um, to get right to it, that is uh, become a theme. You know, when we originally started 1819 News, the podcast, we thought it was going to be news and culture. We talk about the goings on in the state, and then, you know, we may have a country music singer on and, you know, talk about barbecue or something like that. But, you know, the the times we're living in are – pretty crazy. And it seemed every single person I had on the podcast, we would get down to what is the, what is the great need of the hour? What is the need for Alabama to be uh, a free and flourishing state uh, to really be all that it could be. And what it always comes back to is that men need to be men. Fathers need to be fathers. Pastors need to be courageous. Um, and that seems to be lacking. And so the opportunity to have you uh, come on and, and talk about uh, a time uh, in the not too distant past when that didn't seem to be quite as much of a problem. Uh, we really thought that would be a great fit. So thank you so much uh, for, for taking the time to talk to us. That's, it's my joy and I'll do the best I can. You've got to realize I'm 86 years old. And I'm not quite as active as I used to be, but I'll do the best I can on your show. Great. Well, we're very, very grateful. So, Coach, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, we we have this pandemic of masculinity. We, we, we're we repulsed by anything that even um, smells like uh, some of the things of old um, from your time. Um, I would love to hear um, kind of some stories of, obviously, uh, the Junction Boys um, from your time at Texas A&M playing under Coach Bear Bryant. Uh, could you tell us um, a little bit about that? I'm sure you've talked about it a lot in the past, but would love to hear that from you. Well, uh, it, uh, when I played for Coach Bryant, uh, uh, he wanted to go to a place where it, would, it wasn't a lot of people to interrupt practice and so forth, so we went to Junction. And uh, we, we were down there for, I guess, nine days. Seemed like it's 29 days. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, his idea was to develop a football team without a lot of distractions or from media and, and alumni and things like that, he, he did not realize the facilities at Junction were as bad as they were. He said on a number of occasions, if he had known that they were that bad, we would have never gone out to Junction. Uh, but anyway, it was a, 
the only the only cute thing that happened at Junction. <clears throat> this was a Saturday evening, and we were just beat out to anything. Just couldn't keep our eyes open. And Coach Brown came in, and he said, <clears throat> "Now tomorrow is Sunday. How I many you guys like to go to church?" And we thought, "Lord have mercy, going to church a lot better than practicing." <laughs> we all raised our hand and. I, I, I can remember saying, Coach, get me. I'd go to church. He said, Bates, I'll get you. And so, anyway, he, had, he made us write our name down. They want to go to church. And he handed that list to Coach Brian. He looked at the list and he said, Isn't this nice? I said, Everybody want to go to church. He said, We're going to go right after we practice. So, <laughs> <laughs> we thought surely we'd get out of practice, but we didn't get out of practice. So, what what do you think um, from Coach Bryant's perspective and you as a player? Um, what do you think the purpose? I mean, yeah, making sure the media wasn't there, but you know, it, it seems like he was trying to to pull something out of you guys, and and really, you know, from you know the the stories, there was a lot more people uh, that went to Junction that came back and actually played. Uh, what do you think he was really trying to accomplish? Well, he was trying to trying to find out who wanted to play football. And uh, uh, it was extremely hot, and we worked twice a day and, and had meetings in the afternoon, meetings at night. And it was just football, 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 and lots of people quit. And uh, if he had had it to do over with, I don't think he would have gone to Junction. He would have had some kind of tough practice. Uh, but I don't think that he would have gone to Junction and we had lost as many players as we did. They just quit by the Bukus. Yeah. And uh, we ended up the year not many, not many football players. How did you guys do that year? We won one, lost nine. Won one, lost nine. Well, um, kind of continuing on um, with that. But now, uh, a couple of years later, we won the championship. And Coach Bryant, we had a meeting at, at midnight one night. And he came in and gave us all a little little mustard seed. He said, and if you just have the great, the, and he gave us a parable of the, uh, the mustard seed. He said, if you just hang in there, I'll tell you, before you guys graduate, we'll win the championship. We were all, most of us sophomores that year, and he was right because our senior year, we did win the championship. Wow. So from there, um, where did you, and so after Texas A&M, after you graduated, where did you end up going from there? Well, when I, when I graduated from a and I, I went to work for Coach Bryant. Okay. And uh, I worked for him for several years, and then, then I <clears throat> uh, left him and, and became the head coach at Texas A&M. Then I went to uh, work for the Dallas Cowboys for a number of years. Wow. What um one of the things that, that I'm really trying to hone in on, and, and you're going to be the, the the first person I've had on to talk about it when you when you look at and again this is nothing against coach Saban at all obviously he's incredible and has accomplished you know a tremendous amount but i think i i talked to someone who played for for coach bear bryant and um they said that to them the biggest difference was is that nick saban is very much a recruiter that's a good coach and um coach bryant was a incredible you know an incredible coach that could do some recruiting and it seemed to be the the emphasis for coach bryant was you know, taking boys and turning them into men that were prepared for life by the time they left there. And you can see that generational impact as you look out across all the different people who played for him that went on uh, to be, you know, men of character who had families that started businesses, 
um, and experience not just financial success, but just, you know, the, the type of success that, um, that you can get in life when, when you have those things that he instilled in you guys, can you talk a little bit about, um, his, his focus on developing character? Well, he wanted you to, to do the very best you could. And, and, uh, being on time was extremely important to coach Brian and to perform as well as you would. He didn't ever expect a guy to play good if he wasn't quality. He didn't have the ability to play good. But he wanted you to play as well as you were capable of playing. And uh, our, when I was coaching uh, for Cowboys, our ex's nose were not any better than anybody else's. But Coach Landry thought that they were, and the players thought they were. Our ex's nose at Alabama were not any better than anybody else's X's nose. But the players believed in Coach Bryant so much, it made the X's nose better. Mm. So it, and I had the privilege of working for Coach Bryant and Coach Landry, and both of them were tremendous football coaches. Uh, but Coach Bryant was, he would get more out of the player than anybody that I've ever been around. I think um, it would be fair to say that you were very much um, a disciple of him. When when you uh, became a coach, what what were some of the things that you really um, drew from your experience under him that helped you be successful as a head coach? Well, first of all, he, he, uh, it was important you have a good staff, and so I wanted to have a good staff. It's important that everybody was on the same page. Uh, now the offensive coordinator calls the offense, defensive coordinator calls the defense, special team coordinators. We didn't have all those when, when I was coaching and working for Coach Brown. We had football coaches that coached different phases of the game. Uh, but Coach Brown, was, was, he was in charge of the football program, just like Coach Saban. He is in charge of the football program right now at Alabama. Yeah. Coach Brown was in charge of Texas a Well, um, there's so many different places I'd love to go and, and talk about, but out of respect for your time, uh, I want to make sure we cover – a couple more things. Um, but, but again, my, my, my emphasis and my focus is really, um, you know, if you have an opinion, kind of what you're, you're seeing our society turn into as a reflection of what we expect and demand of men versus how it was in your day, I would say, um, do you have any strong opinions on that or? Yeah, well, we don't, we don't put, we don't expect the man to be man. Now we expect them to be whatever they want to be back when I was a youngster growing up and working for Coach Bryant, we had a responsibility to be on time, do the best you could, and perform well on, on a Saturday. Now uh, it seems like that, that everybody walks on a, on a different page and uh, on a different level. Uh, back in the, we, we need to get back to oneness where everybody believes in the same same phase of the game and the, believe in the same thing that you're trying to get accomplished. That's what Coach Bryant did. He wanted all of us to be on the same page. And uh, I think that's that's one of the things I tried to take away. When I was the head coach, I wanted my players and coaches to all be on the same page. Wow. So you went on, um, played and, and coached under Coach Bryant, and then to coach under um, uh, Coach Landry. What uh, what was he like? What was uh, can you talk about Coach Landry and kind of what he was like, and then maybe some differences between him and Coach Bryant or similarities? Our exes knows at Alabama were no better than anybody else's, but the players thought they were. Coach Bryant said it. It didn't go any further than that. I mean, that was a gospel. 
Yeah. When I was working for Coach Landry in, in pro ball, our X's nose were better than everybody else's. I mean, he was just, you, you just can't imagine your wildest imagination. You can't imagine how knowledgeable Coach Landry was on all phases of the game. A lot more so than Coach Bryant. Yet Coach Bryant, the players felt like that we just the fact that we had Coach Bryant on our sideline was worth 12, 14 points. That, that's the, that's the feeling that the player had toward Coach Bryant. Had the same feeling toward Coach Landry. But our exes knows were better than other people. Well, before we move on from there, what do you have a, a favorite story of Coach Bryant you want to share with us? Well, most of the good ones you can't share. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I just, I I just can't tell you what a joy it was to work for him. Now, saying that he was an easy guy to work for, that wasn't that wasn't the case at all. Uh, But when I graduated from Texas A and M, I go from Texas A and M to Alabama working for Coach Bryant. So I I had the privilege of playing for him and then been on his staff for a number of years and he was totally in charge on all phases of the game i remember uh reading a book um when you got the i believe it was the head coaching job in texas a&m and and left him in alabama and um that you know that that really affected him deeply he was you know there was a bitter sweetness of he was very very happy for you but also very sad to be losing you and so um just hearing that connection that you must have had with with him was pretty incredible one of the one day alumni was with Coach Bryant and and, uh, and Coach Bryant was sort of tearing up and, and he said, well, what happened? He said, well, I, I lost one of my players. Well, this man that was listening to the conversation thought somebody had died. Hmm. He said, who, who was not He said, well, no, babe, he's, he's leaving me on my staff and taking the head coaching job. So that that's a relationship that I really had with, with uh, Coach Bryant Weather had a, a mutual admiration. I mean, I, I thoroughly appreciated and loved working for him, and hopefully he loved having me on his staff. Well, one of the uh, the other things I think is really um, just truly incredible um, uh, about your life story, and I think one of the things that you've spoken most about, um, was, your, was the relationship that you had with your son, um, John Mark. And um, I think you know, that speaks volumes of your character as well. And I'd love for you to, you know, tell our audience a, a little bit about that kind of the story, um, of your son and, um, and how raising him Let's changed look, you. First of all, the thing that you think is the worst thing that's ever happened to you can turn out to be the best. When Johnny was born with Down syndrome, I thought it was an absolute worst thing that could ever happen to us to have a child that was quote retarded. But it turned out to be the best thing. That my life wouldn't have been nearly as rich if it wasn't for the fact that Ruth Ann and I raised a child that had special needs. And uh, Johnny was just a real joy. I can't tell you how many things are named after him. Uh, stadiums and 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 various things. To, uh, just they, they named it the John, John Mark Stallings this and that. He, he was just a great joy to Ruth and I, and the saddest day of my life when he passed away. When when you made the decision to 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 raise him, you you and your wife at that time it was you know kind of commonplace um, for people who had Down syndromes to be 
you know, put into special care facilities. Um, what kind of went into your guys' decision to say that, hey, we're not going to yeah, do that, that? that? That was what people advised us to do. They said, now, uh, you'll visit him for a while, and after a while, you'll even forget you had him. Yeah. And uh, I said, Lord have mercy, that, that's not even an option for us. We're going to raise him. Didn't know anything. I didn't even know anybody that had a job with special needs. But we're going to raise him the best we can, and and uh, we did. And we had four daughters and Johnny, and, and uh, he was just the glue that held our family together. I've got a, a very dear friend of mine as a mentor uh, who has a, a daughter with Down syndrome, and he's got um, he had a total of eight children, and um, said, you know, the Bible commands you to train your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and, and train them up in the way that they should go. And he doesn't give any exceptions if they have special needs. And his daughter is, you know, when she walks into the room, she just lights up the room. She's so amazing uh, and just really incredible. And, um, you know, to see that kind of commitment and you see them being committed to, to, to raising her has affected their whole family. And that sounds like um, how it affected your family as well. Yeah. And every Saturday night, Johnny would get out a dollar. He wanted to take a dollar. Uh, he wanted to be able to put it in the collection plate and he carried his Bible. Every, every time we went to church, whether it's on a Sunday, Wednesday, or, or whatever, he had his Bible. Now, he couldn't read a word in it, but he always had his Bible every time he went to the church. And uh, what, what a joy it was to raise a child that had special needs. Of course, he had little struggles that other children don't have, but uh, our, our daughters just really, they thoroughly worship little Johnny. I mean, he... Uh, Nobody said anything bad about Johnny around the girls. I'm sure you. Yeah. Did he? Um, did he like the University of Alabama more, or was he more of a Dallas Cowboys fan? Well, whoever I was coaching for. Okay. When I was coaching for one, one, one cute story, I'll tell you real quickly about Johnny, and, and uh, I wanted him to meet Coach Landry, and. Uh, so I said, Johnny, we're going to go in the coach's dressing room. And I'm going to say, Coach Landry, I'd like to meet my son, Johnny. And Johnny, I'd like you to meet Coach Landry. And you'll say, glad to meet you, Coach Landry. And we went over there time after we, we had it down. And we go in the coach's dressing room. And there's Coach Landry. And I said, Coach, I'd like you to meet my son, Johnny. Johnny, I'd like you to meet Coach Landry. And Johnny said, hi, Tom. Never called him in the back of Tom. All the rest of us called him Coach Landry all the time. Johnny always referred to him as Tom. And, and when Coach Landry was awfully sick, and right before he died, and I was visiting with him. He said, and you know, Johnny never called me anything but Tom. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Something else I think that is um, probably, I mean, we're talking about too, is, is, you know, we talk about you being under Bear Bryant and, and, coaching or playing for him, coaching with him, um, and then going kind of the, the pro circuit. Uh, and then you, you know, came back to the helm at the University of Alabama, and, and it was at a time when they needed that Bear Bryant style to come back. It, it seemed like the, the, it was, you know, lacking some of that um, firmness and steadfastness uh, that you very much had, uh, and you came back, was it in 91 when you came back? I, I think I, I coached there for seven, eight years. We we won 70 games in seven years when I was coaching at Alabama. Not too shabby. And so um, what was the, that first season like? First, the very first season, we lost three in a row, and we had always played well. 
But for some reason, we would lose. We'd get a penalty, or they'd make a big play or something. And it was, we started off a one three, and, and people ask me all the time, "Do I have any any suggestions for a new coach that goes to Alabama?" And I said, "Yeah, I sure do. Don't start off a one three." But anyway, we ended up winning seven that year, and and uh, I think we like I say we won seventy games in seven years. So. I thoroughly enjoyed my stay at Alabama. Wow. I think, was it 92 the year that you won the championship there? We, yeah, we 13 and 0. We won it all and won the national championship and, and, uh, just beat everybody. Very, very, those days you didn't play 13 games, but we had a championship game and then we had a, had a bowl game after that. So we had 11 game in the season and 12. And we were 13 and 0 and it was just a great football team. And, we could play defense and we could run the football. So if you can play defense and you can run the football, you're going to win the great majority of your games anyway. Well, and I think you definitely brought um, that spirit and spunk back to the team and, and kind of lit the, the, the culture back. And then obviously when you left, there was another drought, and it seems um, it's beautiful to watch Nick Saban kind of bring that back again. So, um you know, Nick Saban not only is a great coach, but he's a great recruiter. Yeah. And uh, back then, if people want to compare Coach Bryant and Coach Saban, you know, he can't do it. Yeah. Because the great, great majority of the players at, at Alabama were from the state of Alabama. Now, there were some exceptions. Joe Namath, he was from, uh, and then Mike Rocky. They, they were two good players. They were one from Tennessee and one from Pennsylvania. But the great, great majority of the players were from the state of Alabama. And uh, that's not so with Coach Saban. He, he gets the best players throughout the country. Mm. He's an outstanding recruiter. He handles his team extremely well. Uh, they're extremely well coached. And when you have good players that are well coached, that's a tough combination to beat. Yeah, it's definitely a sight to behold. And I think it's, you know, kind of the, the it's, it's not really funny that Alabama lost this last week, but um watching you know the response because it happens so rarely you know and and I think one of the things that I'm almost jealous of is seeing how excited Tennessee fans get when they win and you know yeah. when when Alabama wins everyone's just like yeah that's right we won and that's about that's as exciting as it gets you know and then even when you win a national championship it's like all right got another one but you know and <laughs> you beat Alabama and everyone's you know storming the field and ripping the goalposts down and cheering and they broke this and it's like wow you know, <laughs> I wish I could get that excited after a victory, but um, we're, we've gotten spoiled and we're just used to it. So that's right, and they and Coach Saban does such a great job at Alabama. Uh, but now I'll say this: he has good players and he has good coaches. Yeah, uh, and but they perform at a high level, and that's what you want your players and coaches to do. And he has figured out to me. He's figured out the only place that it is that it is acceptable to demand uh, excellence. So in all these other areas in, in school and, you know, any other areas where you demand standards and excellence, it's like it's really shunned in our society. But I think and maybe it's because of the winning culture and everyone just leaves him alone because he gets, you know, so many championships and wins and, and all that. But he he has a he has figured out a way in this society that really doesn't like those things. Um, to demand excellence from his players and, and expect those things. And um, and we still get to see the fruit of it, you know, when we continue winning like that. But I, I wish our society would see the fruit that that produces in football and see how that, you know, we could be applying this in many other areas in life as well. That's 
tried to, and the, the great majority of the people would love to see Alabama lose because they sort of get tired of seeing the same team win year yeah. after year after year. And that puts even more pressure on Coach Saban. Yeah. And he does an outstanding job of, of handling his team and uh, and, uh, and recruiting every year. They have the top recruiting class. The players play extremely well. Uh, they graduate. The ones that don't graduate, they go into the pros. And so he's got an outstanding program going on. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I just want your opinion. I want you to just go whole hog. Tell me what you think. Because, you know, to me, it, it's kind of crazy. I don't even, I know Nick Saban's using it to his advantage, but I don't know how crazy about it he is. Um, and that's the whole, you know, name, image, and likeness, the NIL deals that are going on. And, and again, I'm not yeah, super I'm, familiar I'm oppo- with it. I'm opposed, I'm opposed to that 100%. Uh, if you don't think a scholarship is worth something, you just send somebody to college. Yeah. I've sent five through college. And uh, I'm guaranteed that is a lot of money. So when a player gets a scholarship to go to school, that's a big deal. Now we don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. Now we want to give them financial money. I have no problem uh, with helping the player in every way that we can, but we forget that we go to college for an education. You don't go to college to play football. You go to college to get an education, and while you're getting your education, you play football. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, we're getting that all screwed up. Well, thinking back on your days, and, and I'm, I'm with you, I think it's crazy uh, that that's happening. I mean, I understand some of the arguments, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, college is your, is your opportunity to get an education, to contribute something to the university that's given you the opportunity to go to that school for free, um, and, and, and to prove yourself to, to go on to actually be professional. And the idea of professional means that you're doing it as a profession, which means you earn money. Um, right. that's not what's happening. And, and I understand that, you know, some of the, you know, there's so much talent in these universities and they have programs that make so much money and these coaches make a lot of money now. And you know, the, the, the programs profit and all that, but, it, but I think it's, it's ruining the culture of college football that really separated it from professional football. And, it, and it's that, that unity that you talked about. Um, it, it, it starts to break up that, you know, we're here for the team. We're here to learn and grow and become men together now it's about how much money I can make, you know, me, 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 I, I, I. That's right. And, and I am opposed to all that. I, I still think that you go to college for an education. You've got to have an appreciation for the guy that gives you an opportunity to go to college. And uh, somewhere along the line, we've got to we've got to develop that likeness. And we've sort of getting away from it. It's how much money I can make while I'm playing, how much money I can make when I become a pro. And we forget that you go to college for an education. Amen. I think there's just a, a transformative um, experience of, of going and playing college football and going and playing those three or four years. Um, you know, going in as a, as a kid, you know, you show up to college, you're a kid. Um, and you leave college and, and you're a man. And it's kind of our society doesn't, you know, even Christians, period. You know, we don't have a rite of passage. When you look at the Jewish culture, they have. Uh, when they turn 13, there's kind of a, a rite of passage ceremony that they do, and they, they have kind of this initiation rite. And, and our society doesn't really do that as much, and it, it really does seem that, especially for, for people who played sports, they would go in uh, to football, you know, a, a child, and they would come out men. Um, and, um, you know, it's gotten so much about money and, and winning and everything else that uh, I feel like that's kind of getting lost as well. I think you're absolutely correct. 
Well, who do you, uh, of all the players that you coached, who do you think would be the, the richest in the, uh, the NIL deals? David Palmer, Jay Barker, who do you think? Well, David Palmer was, was a, he was an all around player. Uh, Jay Barker was a great quarterback and a great leader. <clears throat> I don't mean this disrespectful, but in that national championship game where we won the national championship, our quarterback was four out of 14 for 27 yards. Two interceptions. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we we still won the national championship because uh, Jay Barker provided the leadership. Uh, he didn't have the ability that some of the people in this day have, but uh, uh, leadership is still extremely important on whatever level. Amen. Well, this has been great, um, Coach. I. I, I'd love to keep you on all day and, and continue talking Alabama football and all these other things. And I know uh, you've got a lot of stuff that you got to get to and super grateful for your time. Do you have any uh, one message you could just tell my audience? Um, you know, that's, as I said, you know, my audience is made up of a bunch of people who would love to see Alabama be a free and flourishing Alabama um, and, and want to kind of change, change the, the direction uh, to a, a healthier course. Um, any last words? I'll say this, in, in this day and time, Nick Saban has done just a fabulous job of coaching at Alabama. There's no way you can compare Coach Saban with Coach Bryant. Both of them were winners. Both of them had great records, and they won, and they'll continue to win. The difference is Coach Saban gets players from all over the United States. Coach Bryant got primarily the players from the state of Alabama, and they were still huge. They would, when you talk about the great coaches in the country, Coach Bryant, Coach Saban has got to be at the top of the list. Absolutely, top two. I, I would mark them first and second, and I don't know which one would go before the other. So, <laughs> well, well, the, the, I'm just telling you, as a football coach, you've got to get the most out of your your talent. But when, when you have the best talent, and you get the most out most out of them, then you're going to win championships. When you got somewhat of an average player and he, he he developed into a national championship team with somebody's done an outstanding job either recruiting him or coaching him once he gets there yeah and that was what the the guy that i met that played for for coach bryant said he's like hey he took he took average people and turned them into champions and saban That's has right. figured yeah. out how to recruit champions and win championships so um well good stuff well thank you so much for your time coach um, really, really, truly appreciate it. Um, you know, you're such a gift to our state. Um, your life is and legacy, uh, is, is, um, you know, I'm humbled to be able to, to have this conversation with you. So thank you for your time. Well, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You do a good job on your, your interview and, and, uh, just, uh, the player, what, what we really want, we want a good player to play as well as he's capable of playing. When you do that and you have a chance to win championships. Amen. Well, thanks, Coach, and to my audience. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Listen, have a good day, and, and anytime you, want, you you run out of somebody to talk to, well, give me a holler. I'm happy to be on your program anytime. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs>